Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Sean. What's your experience like today? Um, I got up, I started working, then I made my coffee, then I work, then uh, feed the dog, then I work, so pretty much. And then around the 2 o'clock you eat breakfast, <laughs> something like that. Dinner at noon, right. midnight, whatever, I don't know, I, I kind of lost. Well, you, you, it sounds like you woke up as an employee, which I can appreciate. Um, I, I kind of do the same. Um, not everybody has that opportunity to wake up as an employee. They wake up as a as a person and then travel somewhere to an office. Well, I hope they all wake up as a person. Well, we Otherwise, always we're, we're going. But I think our minds fantasy. shift almost immediately to uh, yes. to employee. Um, but not everybody had the option to uh, to wake up and stay at home and and. Uh, do the work they do and and hopefully make make good things happen for their companies and in return for themselves uh, and, until a situation occurred and everybody was forced to <laughs> and that shifted I, I think if if there's a, a relationship between how that happens and who controls it it might be a, an easy transition but when something is thrust upon you like that maybe it's a little overwhelming, uh, disturbing, uh, certainly unsettling for many. Um, but there's a lot of benefits that come with it as well. And uh, I think we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about that today. Yeah, you know, Sean, this is redefining society. So I, I think there, you need the, the right cultural change and moment for things to happen. You need the right technology. But as you said, sometimes we're human and we just need to be forced. In doing something. We know when we talk about cybersecurity, uh, you know, risk and, and particular situation where you can turn around a, a crisis into maybe something positive. And I'm not going to say that it, it, it levels, levels it up, but, you know, that could be some good outcome. But the point is here that we're going to talk about work remotely. Uh, we're going to look at the case, why it's actually could be a really, a really good thing. And uh, I was inspired to have this conversation with uh, Jacqueline Greenberg because she wrote an article on Wire magazine and she was making this case. So I said, hey, 
let's uh, let's talk about it. So, Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. Well, it's uh, it's an honor to have you, and uh, I'm assuming you are from home right now, um, <laughs> working from home. From home right now, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Stick stick with the you know <laughs> with your point. Uh, that's what I'm doing. That's why Sean was making fun about that. I've done this pretty much uh, all my life, I would say. So we can uh, I can bring that side of things before it was popular to do so, but. Uh, a little introduction about yourself, who you are, and uh, why you wrote this piece, and then we'll, we'll go from there. We'll go through it. Well, uh, I wrote this piece because I had extenuating life circumstances that made it difficult for me to keep a 40-plus-hour work week in a corporate environment. Um, I resigned from my corporate job after more than a decade of working in the industry to care for personal matters at home and uh, didn't have the option at the time for flexible arrangement or hybrid or remote work. And then watching everybody during the pandemic, they were forced to work from home. Companies were forced to comply with that type of arrangement. Um, you know, got me thinking about if I had had that option years earlier, it just would have made life easier for me. It would have made it easier for me to stay in my career and juggle my personal responsibilities. Uh, so I did some research and um, came up with some points in favor of, of remote work. And there, there are a number of positive <laughs> elements here. I'm just going through um, through the list. I mean, it, the first one, I believe, is that uh, no commute means happier employees. And I I can relate to this because unlike Marco, I haven't spent my entire life um, as a remote worker. Uh, but there were – I lived in the L.A. area, and, and maybe it was a 10-mile commute would take me an hour plus sometimes. And it was so frustrating. And it – beyond the frustration it's just the lack of of uh productivity right i'm not doing something else any anything else that i'd rather be doing even if it was they would just work longer um and so having the option to break out of that many years ago even while i worked for the company was uh, a blessing and i can certainly attest to the fact that i became happier right i stuck around longer in that role because i was able to a few days a week eliminate the commute. And that, that one thing alone uh, was super helpful. Yeah, I think that makes a really big difference for people. The The rush hour traffic is daunting, I think, anywhere that you live. I haven't heard of anybody that has had a really great commute going and, and coming home from work. Maybe Fridays get a little bit lighter. I used to look forward to Fridays. But um, that's a lot of time wasted. Um, I mean, I look, I could argue the other side of it. It's also some maybe downtime where you're decompressing after a work day and um, switching gears. But for me, it was it was more of, of a waste of time that I could have been doing other things. Uh, I also would get exhausted. Um, I would get exhausted in the commute sitting in traffic is, is mentally draining and um, can be frustrating. 
uh, I had young children in the car uh, for quite some time and they would get frustrated. It was difficult to pull over if they needed something. Uh, and then by the time we got to work or by the, by the time we got home, it, you know, there was a bit of unwinding that needed to be done. So, you know, plus you've got the extra cost, the expense, however it is that you're commuting. Um, you know, they're just, and then the rush to get out of the house in the morning, the, I have to get up at the same time and do a certain number of things to leave the house within a certain window. Because if I leave five minutes later, I know the traffic builds up and that's a lot of added stress in the morning that I think a lot of people would be happier without. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the only, the only time that I've envisioned that to be, to be a good thing is if you can see it on a comfortable train. That's why I'm also looking forward to self-driving cars. <laughs> if you get to the point that you actually trust it to have your little living room in the car and get some work done. But I mean, the, the commute I've, I've known in the academy in, uh, in Florence where, uh, you know, people would commute for two, three hours sometimes, maybe not every day, but professors that will come from Rome to Florence or, you know, Florence to an hour away, and that they'll take that time to, to actually work, maybe to do the job that they didn't do at home. So, again, it will work for someone, but if you want to spend more time with your kids and more time with uh, doing your things at home, then I, I guess you have to find um, a certain balance. One thing that I, um, I'm interested in to uh, the, the societal part of things, you, you have your second point here where you say that remote work let's people connect anywhere. And I have heard both sides of things here, like, oh, I need physical content, I need to spend time with people. I personally have never stopped doing, and I've taken pandemic pretty seriously, and I've done a ton of Zoom. My job <laughs> is this, so it allows me to do this and meeting. Um, tell me a little bit more about that, because some people need the small local you know, coffee shop or, or office to, to feel accomplished and some other like, no, I just talked to somebody in Sydney or in Italy or in South Africa. How, how do you s experience that? I definitely agree that um, being home all of the time is challenging when you don't get to see people or talk to enough people. Um, I think that having those connections through Zoom or even Look, even going to the office one day a week where you know that you're going to have meetings with people and connect with people and then the other time can be at home um, where you're able to be productive. But I think I think that part of that is you have to for you still have to force yourself up and out. Right. You have to go for a walk. You have to go and say hi to a neighbor. You have to go and 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 move throughout the house to um, just move your body and and, uh, you know, and get out. Um, the technology makes it so that, I mean, if you have to be somewhere that's important, then you can access that technology. You know, in the article I talk about, one of my children, my son has you know, doctor's appointments and hospital, had hospital visits at times, and, and I wanted to be with him, but there were times where I could have sat with the technology in the hospital. And, you know, if he was resting or I needed to just wait for a doctor, I could get some things done. And I think our brains are malleable enough that we can, you know, look, most of us think about what we're doing for work 
most of the day, right? I don't think any of us really shut it off, right? We wake up, we think about some things we have to do. We go, maybe we get some exercise, eat something, do something with our kids, send an email, go back, right? This is something that's constantly going through our minds. The technology that we have today between the Apple Watch, you know, the watches, the iPhones, the laptop, I mean, I bring those with me everywhere that I go. So I have access all the time to what I need. Um, and it's, it's just being able to create, I think, a fine line between, all right, I did what I needed to do. Now I'm going to go for a walk and clear my head, knowing our bodies well enough to take those, take those breaks. But having that technology, I mean, the technology exists. So why would we not make this more part of our lives and um, get the things done that we need to get done that we're responsible for, but also then have the time to do the things that we want to do or, or be where we want to be. Yeah, and I want to look at this from two perspectives, and I like to complicate my questions, as you'll soon find out as we continue conversing here. Um, what you're talking about is flexibility, mm-hmm. and, and the technology enables flexibility, but it's only possible if the mindset of everyone involved is also flexible. And I, I think there's, there's two things in play here. One, you could, one could be in the office and still have a flexible schedule and still have control over the schedule. I think the technology makes that even more possible and it extends it to be possible outside of the office as well. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on um, how technology opens up the options for flexibility. So you can connect to a meeting or a call or whatever from the hospital when you're ready, when your mind is is prepared for it, and how organizations perhaps need to say, we need to give that space as well to enable that to happen. I think what people don't realize or think about is that we're always thinking about what we need or what's happening in our own personal lives. That's not something that we can easily shove aside. So, you know, when I went back to my office um, after my son was born with some challenges, I had a very hard time putting that in a box and, and leaving it somewhere when I was there, right? I needed to feel like I was supporting him and helping him. Now, I didn't need to be with him 24 hours a day, but I needed to make sure that I was on top of whatever appointments um, he had. So I think that people need to recognize that we need to take care of ourselves and our families first. And then once those basic needs are cared for, it's much easier to be productive and get what we need to done because we know we've done what we were supposed to as a responsible person and, and as a responsible, you know, parent or spouse or, or daughter, you know, daughter or son, what a child, whatever, um, whatever you need to do. I mean, there are things that happen in our lives um, that require, we, sometimes we need more flexibility than others. Look, when I was 22 and starting in the industry, I was more than happy to go in every day from nine to five. You know, I had, um, I had somebody I was, I mean, I was with my husband at the time, but we weren't married. Um, you know, we went our separate ways. We had our jobs. I made friends. I went out after work with friends. So maybe at that time in my life, I, I, was happier being in the office and I, you know, met people that way. But as time passed and the responsibilities in my life grew, 
I wanted to be able to manage those responsibilities and um, make sure that everything in my life was okay. Even when I didn't have children, I would have somebody coming to repair something in my house and I needed to wanted to be there for it. Um, those things weigh on us when we're trying to get our work done. I don't think anybody can just say, okay, I'm gonna put those ideas aside. Whatever it is that's happening in my life, I'm gonna leave it and really just focus on work and get into flow. And then I'll think about that later. I do remember when I would go into work and sometimes I would think of all these things that I had to do at home, I would write them down and try and put them aside. But, but it's hard, it's hard to shift gears like that. So, um, you know, for me, I, I just think that a, a lot of people have difficulty juggling that and need that flexibility. If that, I hope that answers what you are, what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely does. Absolutely does. And I don't know if Marco wants to go to the next one, but I, I have. You go. Me, because I, yeah. I, 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 no, I have a thought on this next one. Because the next one is no more mandatory, quote unquote, fun. And I think there's a perspective that that the employee experience is partly driven by the free snacks and and the free lunches and the after work parties that, by the way, make make us all stay later in the office and perhaps even have a longer commute because we're stuck in traffic longer. Or um, come work with us. We have a ping pong table and a foosball right. and a cafeteria and all of that. So, yeah, and silicon. <laughs> And while these, and I'm sure you'll get into this, uh, Jacqueline, but while, while these may not be managed by objective MBO mandatory events, th there's certainly a social <laughs> a mandatory element to it where you're, you're expected to be at these or, or you're not a team player or something like that. And, and I don't know, not everybody enjoys them. Not everybody wants to allocate that time, even if it's time on the clock. Um, there it's it's something that that may not suit everyone and i think being out of the office kind of eliminates that you have to be here for it but i'm just wondering uh, what your thoughts are in respect to that i think that there's a balance that needs uh to come with all of this change uh look there's definitely benefits to meeting people at work and socializing and i used to love getting breakfast lunch and sometimes dinner in the office um, but every day, all day, it starts to get old, right? So, like I said, you know, you know, maybe one one day or two days in the office uh, to coordinate meetings with people is great, or even a, a team building outing with the group is is great. I, I, it's not that I don't want to see people, but having having that requirement every day, all day, gets old and doesn't leave a lot of time for the people that you have in your life already um, or the family that you have at home. Uh, like I said, it, it was easier when I was younger and really didn't have much going on, but it still got old. I mean, I had one job where I think I had a 55 minimum hour uh, a week requirement and I was never home. I was in the office all the time and I had all the perks. Um, you know, I've had a dry cleaner and the gym and, and all of those benefits at, at the office. And, and they're wonderful. They make it easier to, um, you know, eat healthy and, and stay, stay in shape. But there needs to be a bit of a balance with the outside world and being able to take care of things that need to be done or even just 
having some downtime. I'm personally, I'm more of an introvert and I like socializing, but then I need that time to regroup at home and think about what's happened and, and get into flow at my desk and be productive. Um, and just all, a lot of mandatory FaceTime makes that, makes that difficult or would drain me so that I had a harder time um, being home. And I think that depends on the person too, right? Some people, extroverts tend to, to draw from that engagement and maybe gives them energy where introverts don't, it tires them. So I think it depends on the person for sure. And, and there's a balance based on how different people work that, that, they need, that we need to find. Well, I think that's that's the key. I mean, we, we all need different things. And, and sometimes you don't know you need something until you actually either really need it or you realize that you don't have that anymore, as they say. You know, I realized that when I didn't have how important that was the, the day I lost it, right? So uh, I, I can tell that all the other two, uh, even this one is connected to, you know, the mandatory fan. Um, then you have one section that says remote work helps with social anxiety. And then there is an open space layout as noisy and distracting. And I, I can kind of tell that comes from kind of like maybe not the extrovert uh, personality, but more of an introvert personality. And, and, and I think that, again... Uh, <laughs> I don't know anybody that likes open space work. work. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think there are certain people that, that just, I mean, if you're a creative person, like I just finished to read this book and I mentioned it a lot because I really loved it about creative uh, creativity Inc. by Kamu, which was, he's still the, the, the president of Pixar. And how, you know, when Steve Jobs created this, the Pixar space, he wanted to open space and people to communicate with each other. So I can tell that. The problem for me is that I always look at the two extreme and then I say the truth is in the middle, right? In those shades of gray, because in a way, there are certain moments that I may be happy with that kind of situation, but I can't do that every day. Right. I mean, it would eventually give you anxiety because you may enjoy lunch with someone or maybe there is someone that doesn't enjoy lunch with you and makes your life not as easy. So I'm more of a fan of an hybrid situation and to each his own. And so if you will please touch on the on the last two that I just mentioned, also the anxiety level and the and the layout of the open space. And then maybe we, we can spend the, the remaining time to find maybe that the balance that could be ideal. So your experience on the on the anxiety and, and the distractiveness of a, of an open space. Yeah, I I don't I'm trying to think if I actually ever did work in um in open space. Um I've worked in cubicles that were open and um you know, there's this balance where you really need to know your neighbor. You have to really get a sense of, you know, who your neighbor is. You usually know more about your neighbor than you want to know. Um <laughs> They, you, and and not only about them, but they. You also have to know about what they like and don't like because if you tend to talk on the phone to somebody, you know, loudly or um, I don't know, eat your lunch at your desk, whatever it is, you you have to be mindful of who's around you and and if you're distracting somebody. 
So not only are people distracting you, but you have to be mindful of what you're doing. And, and it's just, it's just a lot of scrutiny. I feel like that doesn't need to be when you're trying to be productive and get work done. We do our best working when we're relaxed and comfortable and have our basic needs met. And when you're constantly on high alert to see who's listening to what, I mean, even if you leave to go to the restroom a couple of times and you keep getting up and down to go, I mean, it's distracting to other people. It can be embarrassing. You have to take a quick phone call or the somebody calls about your children or you have to just whatever it is, make a doctor's appointment. You either make the call while you're there and everybody hears you or you have to get up and walk out. And that's distracting to hear the door constantly opening and closing. Um, it, it just... I've never found that to be a useful way of being productive. And, um, you know, some of the work get done in a more truncated amount of time, which leaves us with that much more time in the day to do other things that we want to do. And look, if you make friends at the office and you want to hang out with them, get your work done and go hang out with them. There's no reason that you can't hang out with them after work once everything is done. But um you know, forcing those types of engagements. I don't know. Like you said, there's definitely a balance. Uh, there's definitely a balance. And I, I think at this point, having um, a hybrid or flexible options where people go in when it's better for them or when or maybe just even setting up meetings to be all in one day or two days and then the other couple of days are home to be more productive you know, just churning out stuff days, of course, depending on the type of work you do, right? My work was very um, independent. And, um, you know, you could really get into flow and sit and work on a project and call somebody and ask a question. And, and we had to collaborate, but that could be done in, in little chunks throughout the week, it didn't have to be all day. So I would think that the type of work would definitely determine how much of that is needed. And I, I think what the, the common theme of all of this at this point to me seems uh, the the middle ground, right? Where, where's the where's the medium uh, result that we're trying to trying to get, uh, not the extreme? Because I've I've heard uh, familiarity breeds contempt, unfamiliarity uh, instills fear. If you don't know who you're working with, you might under, not understand them and you might fear what they're what they might be up to. If you're too close to them. You might uh, overstep your boundaries, or they might overstep theirs, and and something can happen on that front. And so, again, in in the middle is where things probably end up sitting. So, I don't know if you have any thoughts on. Uh, I say companies have invested heavily now in technologies that allow for a hybrid workspace, yet we still see um, statements of uh, never going back. Everybody's coming back, right? Those extremes again. Um, and I'm wondering what what's going to drive that? Is, is it is it ultimately the dollar, uh, or the the monetary investment that says we we want this, or the re the potential return by bringing everybody back in that says this is how we're going to proceed, or is there a place for the employee experience and the the employer understanding that leveraging technology to say this this is a nice middle ground for us. I think what's going to drive it is um, mindset. Honestly, I think that, uh, you know, maybe some old, old school ways of working, they just people believe that somebody's supposed to be in the office from nine to five or, or longer or whatever the shift is supposed to be. Um, 
I never found that to be the most productive. Um, you know, and I wrote this in the article, some people are morning people, some people work better later in the afternoon. Um, and knowing ourselves and how we work is, is ideal, right? We need to understand when we're the most productive. Um, some people need to get up and exercise and move and burn off energy, and then they can sit and focus, and other people are the opposite. Um, and there really isn't a lot of room for that when the requirement is to be in the office from nine to five or nine to six. Um, you know, I tended to get to the office later than other people because I just wasn't jumping out of bed to go beat the traffic and get there. And other people had been there for three hours already. It, it just, um, you know, there was some flexibility in, in my time, but most people were there between nine and six. So it was, uh, you know, some would get there at seven, some would leave around four, you know, it was, it was, it would vary, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that what, what's driving it is the mindset of the employer. And then I guess there has to be a mutual respect, right? That you know that the person is getting the work done. I think that's the biggest issue. People need to trust that the employee is being productive and using their time wisely. And the only way to gauge that, I think, is to give some trust and a little bit of leeway and see how the work pans out. If the person can keep on top of everything that's assigned to them and have good relationships with coworkers and be productive the way the job requires, then I don't see the harm. I guess maybe there are some people that, you know, it, it just wouldn't, maybe it wouldn't be as productive or um, they wouldn't get as much done as if they were forced to sit in an office all day. Look, there are people that sit in an office all day and, and play games and don't get stuff done. So. <laughs> Be in an office and be playing, you know, I'm going to date myself, solid, right? So we don't play solitaire anymore with whatever people, whatever people are doing on their phones um, or on their computers. Uh, you know, I mean, open space makes it more difficult to do that, which I guess is the benefit for the employer, but it makes it makes employees more uncomfortable because they're constantly being judged and they don't have that relaxation time to have downtime to scroll on social media or make a phone call to a friend or have a little bit of interaction so their brains can, you know, switch gears once in a while and then go back. Nobody works from nine to six. Nobody just works and works and works, right? That's not, hu that's not human nature. So we all need that, that time and space to, to breathe and refocus and take breaks and, you know, those types of forced environments don't allow for that as well. I just want to commute in for the free uh, lobster roll lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just come into that. That's a good reason to commute in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like cultural difference. Um, every time I talk about, you know, the internet access and the globalization and democratization of the digital life, the opportunities that you give to people that now can work with, uh, 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 make good money, even if they don't have opportunity around them because they can work remotely. So I, I see that advantage in, in technology and, and meeting people. I mean, I see what Sean and I have been doing for a very long time. Like we, we talk with people all over the world. Uh, from the comfort of our house, sometimes from from a park in Malibu where it gets really windy, or sometimes from the car because we we're on our way to somewhere. So, I, I say technologies not only allow people to to make certain choices, but also um, again giving more opportunities to people. 
where I have a problem, and I go back to that, is when you're actually forcing people to go back to, no, I need to be behind your back and be sure that you're either working or pretending to work. Because come on, people (laughs) pretend to work. So in the end, how do we judge productivity? I'm going to steal a a point uh, that that Sean likes to, to ask a lot, like how do we define success? right? What is the success of working from home or not? I think it's getting the job done. Who who cares how you do it? And we're all right, exactly. And we're all so different. If you think about college, right, when I was in college, there were the people that that started an assignment two weeks ahead of time and did a little bit of work every day, because that's how they functioned. And they needed to plan and prep. And then the night before, something was due, or there was a test, they did nothing, right? They went out and they enjoyed themselves. And there were other people that lied on the couch and played video games for two weeks and the night before pulled an all-nighter and got everything done and maybe did a better job than the person that planned, right? We, we all function very differently. We all produce in a different way. Our minds are, you know, that's just human nature. And I think allowing for that, if somebody's skilled at a job and somebody's capable of doing a job, who are we to decide that, oh, they're supposed to be here from nine to five just because we want to keep eyes on them and make sure that they're here? Because maybe they do nothing from nine to five and then they go home and make it all up at night. But you just made them sit there all day. I mean, you know, that's it's just everybody's different. And I think that the the pandemic just forced everybody to recognize that. I mean, a lot of people complained that they worked more Um mm-hmm. They yeah. were home. So, you know, you know, people were working more when they were home because it's so hard to shut it down or it's on your mind or you can be bothered at all times of the day because of the technology. Right. Which is a downside to it. You know, I think blackberries were the, the start, um, you know, then then the employer is actually gaining. But instead of forcing people to go in and then I guess shut it down. Nobody shuts it down. There are no desktops anymore. People don't leave desktops at work and then don't have access to anything when they're home. People have access 24 seven and we as a society have to learn how to balance that in our minds. When we get overloaded, we need to go for a walk, clear our heads, take a breath and then go back. And that's something I think we just need to learn how to do individually. It's, it's difficult, you know, mindfulness and, and just, you know, trying to be productive and structure our day based on how, how we individually work. I have a question. I mean, you, you, you wrote this article for Wired. I'm sure a lot of people read it. Did you get any feedback? Were like mostly positive, negative? What? Mostly what? positive. I did, I did read one comment, I think, on social media, something like, oh, she must have no friends or, you know, I mean, it was oh, kind of sure. like, yeah. we, we, need, even... we, we need one of them, of course. Yes. When you're... Yeah, you have two friends here, Jacqueline. I thought, thank you. <laughs> I thought, did you even read the piece? Because the, the point was, you know, no. my son was born with so many issues that I, I just, I needed the flexibility at the time. But um, no, I really didn't get a lot of um, negative pushback. I guess it was also, it came out in 2021 where people were, I mean, people are still mostly remote from what I understand. I and mean, some people have gone back, but there's, I think, more flexibility and understanding. I guess it's just I hope people don't forget that that was a necessity and, and it benefited people in a lot of different ways. And I think over as time passes, it could be easy to to over, to overlook that and to forget that that was a feasible option that worked well for quite some time. And I'd like your perspective, Jacqueline, on on the the concept of the the great resignation. I don't know if you followed that or not, but mm-hmm. 
because I, I think what we've talked about is kind of the employee owning the narrative to this point. I'm sorry, the employer owning the narrative. Uh, you can or you will do this or that. And I think over the past two years, a lot of reflection has happened and then employees are saying, well, this is what's important to me. And if I can't find this experience at this employer, I will look for another employer. And if I can't find an employer that offers that experience in this industry, I'll find a different industry and then seek out a different different job. And if I, can, I need to get some training, I'm going to step out and get some training so that I can do what I want to do in the future while this whole thing is going down. So I guess my question is, how do you see things moving forward? Um, I think we've, we've had some, some of the control shift to the employee where they, they're defining the experience they want. Um, is that, is that an extreme that also needs to balance out as well? Um, maybe, I mean, I like that the employee has more control, uh, in, in, and is pushing back and able to push back on some industries, uh, saying that they need more flexibility. I think that they'll probably be, you know, a bit of maybe a power struggle at some point and it'll have to level off because I don't know, maybe employers will offer people more money for certain jobs and then people will take it. And then, um, you know, they'll just be, I guess, you know, supply and demand. Like, you know, some people will, it depends on what people value, right? Right now, everybody's valuing getting out and seeing people and traveling and not sitting in an office. And I would hope that that would continue because, you know, what we only live for how long and we want to enjoy and, and it's, you know, it's the work to live or live to work, I guess, right? I mean, it depends on what you do and what you have a passion for. But, yeah. um, you know, yeah, I, I, I would think it would level off at some point. Um, but it's nice to see the employees having some control. Um, it's make, probably making supply chain issues difficult too, but that's a whole other topic, right? For another day. Well, I well, mean, it isn't, it isn't because this is redefining no. society. I think it has long reaching ripple effects, all of this stuff. And I think we, for years, maybe even decades, we've kind of lived in a somewhat stable environment and that's no longer. <laughs> uh, well, my, my point is actually always, as I start the, the introduction to this channel is, you know, let's face it. You know, we live in a society that is a technological society. And even if we love to stick and stay attached to the tradition, which I, I respect very much, you need that balance between like change. People are so afraid of change until, again, we go back to the beginning. You shake it. You have to change because you can't go to the office. Like, like, hey, this is not so bad, you know, <laughs> but but to to follow your point, Jacqueline, and, and maybe we can wrap with this, is the fact that we have the technology that allowed this. We had it for a long time, but it's getting better and better. Internet is faster. You know, I remember when it would took forever to transfer a big, uh, a big file, you know, on, on the internet. And now it's like, oh, God, it's taking it five seconds for <laughs> like one gigabyte. That got to be something wrong with the internet. Let me reboot. But at the same time, we also are working in to find our happiness. And one thing we're realizing is like, if, if your employee is happy, it's more productive. I mean, there are research in, uh, in, in the north of Europe where a four days working week is actually 
giving some great result and pay for the time on the commute because if people work, pay me, right? <laughs> uh, I think there is a, I'm on your side. I think there is a lot of case for letting people work from home forever if they want to. I'm not forcing them. <laughs> Nobody should force, do what you want, but there is that option. And I think we're lucky that in our society now, we live in a moment where we do have that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think Sean, uh, do you another, agree? I don't agree. <laughs> I, no, I do. Um, but I, I think another point that we often make in this in this uh, channel and many conversations we have is technology enables us to do things, but then it changes other things that technology may not be there for yet. So we, we talked a bit about mindset, right? Just because the technology is there doesn't mean our mindset followed overnight like the technology allowed us to um, and, and the pandemic forced us to. So I think we have to keep in mind that that technology ha can shape things and enable things that have been shaped for us. <laughs> um, they don't always align and we need to we need to recognize that that uh, supply chain can be impacted, business can be impacted, home lives can be impacted until we get that all right. Leverage technology where we can remember the human element in this as well because that's yeah. equally important well we're sure. also healing too after you know everybody's healing from trauma and trying to just figure out what's priority to them and you know work shouldn't and doesn't come first for most people and so you know fulfilling those needs of connecting and traveling and living and 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 you know those come first and getting the work done um you know, we need to get work to live, live to work, right? I mean, that's the dilemma. And if we have the flexibility and the options, then we can have a better balance just overall. I live to yep. eat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and work to eat. I know. And your your problem is that technology, <laughs> although we, we talked about virtual pizza the other day. We did talk about it. The metaverse. Uh, you're not there yet. So not sorry. Quite. No, yeah. Not quite. Not, not quite as tasty as I need it to be. Well, this is a never-ending conversation as it is the changes in society, which many times they take place and we don't realize that, they, that they've been kind of sneaking on us anyway and we have been adapting slowly and that's, that's cultural change. It takes time for, unfortunately, for a lot of things and uh, fortunately for others, it's more gradual. But Jacqueline, I thank you so much for your time and uh, we, we will have some notes to the article even if it was not the most recent one but you do also read for read the new york times cnn the huffington post and uh, and we'll share how people can get in touch with you so uh, if uh, if they want to we'll be glad to give the channel and um, maybe you'll join us another time on another conversation and we'll keep uh, redefining society together Perfect. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. And thank you, Sean, for yes. your support. Never yes, ending. I got, I got to talk about lobster rolls. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a happy guy today. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Time to go eat. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, 
and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itsbmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.